Welcome to the Transform Your Teaching Podcast. The Transform Your Teaching Podcast is a service of the Center for Teaching and Learning at Cedarville University in Cedarville, Ohio. We seek to inspire higher education faculty to adopt innovative teaching and learning practices. Thanks for joining our conversation. Welcome back to Transform Your Teaching here on the campus of Cedarville University in Cedarville, Ohio. My name is Jared Piles and with me as always is Dr. Rob McDowell. Hello, Dr. McDowell. Hello and good afternoon. We are continuing our series on the basics of education. We're revisiting that series and we're talking with some of the experts in the field. Oh, yeah. Join us today to talk about instructional management is the Dean of the School of Education and Social Work, Dr. Kevin Jones. Hello, Dr. Jones. Hey, thanks for having me. Absolutely. It's a delight it's, to be here. It's a pleasure to have you here. We've been excited about this one. Man, I'm excited too. Appreciate so, it. Hopefully I don't, uh, hopefully you don't feel less excited when we get done. Like, why were we ever excited about well, that? Well, <laughs> you can be sure that if we do, we'll never let you know. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, no, with no more invites, right? Like, hey, it's been six years since yeah, I've heard from those said guys. said a word to me. Wow. Oh, well, on a serious note, let's talk about what you teach. Let's do it. So what do you teach? What's your discipline? How did you get to Cedarville? Yeah, great questions. Uh, so currently teaching a foundational class in the School of Education, which is uh, for all freshmen or any, any majors who want to major in education across our 15 programs. Uh, that's a class I teach. I've taught uh, periodically a teaching social studies methods class as well as children's lit or I just kind of jump in as needed uh, for faculty across the way. I've been here at Cedarville now four years, it's the beginning of my fourth year, and absolutely love it. Uh, before that, I was a first grade teacher. I taught health and PE for a number of years and served as a as an administrator at Kentucky State University and Boys College Southern Seminary before arriving here on campus. So <laughs> what is the similarity between first graders and college freshmen? <laughs> I'm going to get that off the table right now. <laughs> All of them are made in the image of God. Oh, man, I, I thought for sure we'd get him. Thought for sure great. we'd get him. Thought, thank you. Thank you so great. much. That one wasn't in the cheat sheet. It was not in the cheat sheet. You see, you see, I was reading in Mark this morning. I think it was Mark chapter I think, 10. Here we and go. And the Lord is like, listen, don't, don't be afraid of what you say when you talk to people. The Holy Spirit will give you the words. <laughs> he showed up. He showed, he showed up. up. He's always on time. Well, I think that gets to your philosophy of education there. Hey. Why don't you lead us into some of that? I mean, that, that's good. That's great, man. Thanks for having fun with me. So I think that, you know, the foundation, or probably what I should have mentioned is my teaching career actually started uh, when I started teaching Sunday school at age 17 back at Little Flock uh, Missionary Baptist Church in Louisville, Kentucky. Like that's where it all started for me when I first fell in love with the idea of teaching. It was it was literally teaching the Bible and I got excited about teaching the Bible. And not long after that, found myself enrolling at Kentucky State University to complete a degree in elementary education. And so the, the foundation of all things educational for me are actually theological, mm. right? Like how do we teach people uh, the things of God so that they love God more, so that they want to worship him, so that they want to adore him and so that they want to serve others. And so even as I go into a class now here at Cedarville, I'm thinking through those things, same things like, like all I do and all I want the students that I train to do is for the glory of God unto the glory of God. Like that's the beginning of my foundation of, of, of philosophy of education. Well, we talk about servant teaching a lot. Yeah. And I feel like that's uh, the direction you're headed where it's like, okay, these, these are students made in the image of God. Mm -hmm. You know, how can I, as an instructor serve them best? 
<laughs> you know, it, you know, servant teaching comes from servant leadership. It's the whole idea of putting the needs of the student in front of the teacher. Absolutely. So I feel like that's where you're headed as well. Yeah. Which is like, you know, if I keep building on this idea of my philosophy, it's then just that good pedagogical content, right? You, you give them good information. So if I'm teaching first graders, it's like have, have my arms, my mind, and my approach wrapped around how to teach phonemic awareness, our basic addition skills are the beginning of, you know, civilizations and communities, right? In, <laughs> in teaching first graders. And then same thing in my profession class, like it's just having good information, good pedagogical approach for them, having a firm grasp on the information. So theology is first having a firm grasp on the information uh, is, is definitely required. And then having a firm grasp on how to deal with different philosophies surrounding education and educational practices. So we want to talk about instructional management with you. Yeah. You having a grade school background helps with that. Because so, you know, classroom management isn't really, that's a very K-12 term, classroom management. And because in the higher education space, there's not really one classroom. So we're calling it instructional management to kind of get over that. But how do you see that have an impact in the higher ed environment? Because it's different than it would be like in an elementary school. Yeah, absolutely. I, th- I think uh, I think we think about instructional management, classroom management. Uh, you think, you know, planning, if I, you know, and then and then delivery. And, you know, we, we were talking about sports before we got on today, before we went live. And if, if, if a sports team, if, they, if a sports team plans well, then they can perform well. And I think that what leads into good instructional practices is a teacher, whether you're teaching kindergarten or first grade or ninth grade or you're teaching college students, whether face-to-face or online, it is a teacher sitting back and reflecting and then planning meticulously well, uh, class by class, week by week, quarter by quarter, semester by semester, understanding that uh, yeah, it is as good as I plan, is as good as my students will learn or they will perform, uh, for, lack, for lack of better words. And so it's, it's, it's tiring. One of the most exhausting components, I think, of instructional design is the planning component. Right, if you plan well, I mean, listen, we know this. I mean, athletes are training all over the world today for the Olympics that are coming up, you know, relatively soon. And uh, the, the hardest moments uh, is not the not the 20 some odd seconds you run for the 200. It's running time and time again, exhausting yourself so that when you do reach that Olympic moment, you're ready for those 20 seconds. You're ready for the 40 seconds or 50 yeah. seconds. And so now we put in much more time on the planning end so that I'm ready for the, the 50 minute class or the hour and a half class that I have right. when it's time to show up. Mm. So as you think about instructional management, you've mentioned, you know, first grade classroom. Yeah. You mentioned online. You've mentioned here on campus. Mm-hmm. So take us through something that when you walk through a course that you're going to teach or whether it be online, whether it be mm-hmm. face-to-face, um, even Sunday school. Yeah. What are those key areas? What are those key points of strategy that you approach first and, and how do you do that? Man, that's so good. I'm so excited. My brain's all over the place, right? I'm just trying to make those things concise enough now to fit in, in the minutes that we have. I want to talk about each of those areas, but I can't. So let's just talk. <laughs> uh, so I think one thing, one question I'm asking myself uh, is like, what do I want them to know when they leave my space tomorrow or, or when I teach this lesson? Mm-hmm. So if I'm prepping Sunday school, like what, what, do I want to, what do I want them to hinge their mind on? So it's kind of like that essential question or the main learning objective. And then from there, I'm just backwards planning. Like my goal is for the students today, as we talk about differentiation of instruction, and it's like, I want them to know those terminologies and I want them to know what that means. And then, so my approach is just planning step by step. How do I do that? And I actually, and I still, to this day, 
Uh, some of the students laugh and they tease a little bit, but I'll, I'll walk through the lesson in my mind several times before I get there, right? Like walking into the classroom, I still that I've been teaching almost 20 years now and I still visualize myself like walking through mm. uh, the class and teaching and whatever, setting up the dry erase mark and do all those things. Whatever I'm doing, I'm visualizing myself doing those things. Do you still so, get nervous? Absolutely. Yeah. Really? Yes. As much public speaking and performance right now. that you do. No, but no, honestly, I, I, I get nervous because I think what well, I know that whether teaching the Bible or content, like, like we're training students at Cedarville University to go make differences in, in kids' lives. Mm-hmm. Right. And I know that particularly in, in public school context, that they have to have a firm grasp on the information and, and, and they're, they're paying us. They're paying. They're literally paying me to teach them mm. to be prepared for the rest of the life in some sense. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. right. We're setting that foundation for them. And so I think that's a heavy weight to bear. Mm. Yes. I, I stay nervous. Like, man, are they, are they going to like, am I, I'm going to miss a moment that they may be asking an interview about, or when they teach four years from now, would they be thinking, Oh man, I, ne- I never heard that. You know, I'm like, Oh, so the weightiness of, I think the, uh, the, the sincerity and the seriousness of teaching mm. in a public school, Christian schools or in Uganda, is is weighty and should be weighty for every Christian teacher, uh, without a shadow of a doubt, and then every every public school teacher as well too. That's so good to hear. Yeah. It is. That's really good to hear. I think you do a really good job of managing your opportunities. It seems like you approach everything as it is a classroom. It's an opportunity to make a difference in somebody's life. Absolutely. And so, what are some other key things you talked about? Working backwards, you know, mm-hmm. what is that thing that I want them to take away from this class? But yeah. then, and you work backwards from there. Yep. Talk to me about some of the manners that you think through in terms of of your audience or your particular location that you're going to be. Is there anything that you do with that? Yeah. So, you know, as I think through like the delivery of the content that I'm planning, I'm, th- you know, I, I'm, I'm contemplating and pondering like the students, even the sections of the classes that our teacher are different. So I teach a two o'clock section of the air profession class and then a three o'clock session. It's, it's a 50 minute, two hour class uh, now. And my three o'clock class usually comes in a little bit more exhausted. They come in mm-hmm. tired. Mm-hmm. And so part of, part of my planning and delivery, even for the two classes is slightly different so that I am, I am rightly engaging them. So alongside the planning and delivery, I'm thinking like, how, how, how can I just be authentic today and, and just be me? And part of that has just come, I've come a long way with mm. being like a, an African-American male or black first grade teacher. I don't have any, I, don't, I mean, if you're listening, right, you're laughing now. You're like, huh, that is a little strange, you know? So <laughs> well, I, now I, that you say yeah, that, yeah, <laughs> you know, so it, it, was, it wasn't, you know, I, I don't know. I know that uh, there, there are few, very few African-American male elementary school teachers. Yeah. Right. You know, so getting comfortable with who I am and just being me, being authentic is something that I've just grown more comfortable with over time. And so. I'm always thinking, how can I be my authentic self in walking in class today? And I like having fun. Look, teaching is joy filled for me, mm. right? It is absolutely like it's a joy filling and exhausting moment. People are like, how do you feel after teaching? I feel like I just ran a marathon because yeah. <laughs> you know? I just want to pour myself uh, to the students and have fun doing it, right? And I think a part of teaching is like you have, you're having fun and there's joy in teaching and this is, you know, transforming that's taking place in the classroom and students are like, oh, we're learning and time is up. Let's do some more of this. And, th- you know, like that's the idea as I think through 
you know, uh, not only planning, but but developing and then the actual implementation of the lesson as well. So fun, joy, with the sense of seriousness as well, too. Like my students know, absolutely know uh, when I'm hinging on something that's that's serious for them uh, to hear and to understand. This leads me to uh, an area where Dr. Norm Vaughn, who talked to us, mm-hmm. uh, he talked about the emotional side of COI, that they're bringing empathy, they're bringing the emotional layer to um, the COI, which is community, community of inquiry. Of inquiry. Yeah. yeah. And um, that they're really focusing on that because we've seen, a, and I'm sure you have as well, mm-hmm. a, a huge change in the mental, uh, how, do I, how would I call it? The, the well-being? Yeah, the well-being, the way students are approaching their studies, not just in K through 12, but also... In higher ed, there's a higher incidence, I believe, of depression mm-hmm. and mental health issues. Uh, so as you think through that, and we have teachers that are listening to us. We have teachers yeah, yep. through the K-12 through who listen to us. We yeah. have higher ed teachers. And I think across the board, they're all kind of facing this same challenge. Yeah. What would you say to them as they're facing these classrooms um, you know, where these things are going to show up and they yeah. show up in the strangest of ways, you know? <laughs> tell me. <laughs> well, we're hoping that you'll tell us because I have a feeling given yeah. your experience over the past couple of years since COVID, you probably mm-hmm. have some stories. Yeah. So I, I think three things come to mind when I think about emotional well-being of our students. And so you remember my, my philosophical approach is always theological, right? Mm-hmm. And so in First Corinthians 12, Romans 12, Paul tells us through his writings that we, we all have different gifts. And so I try to tell students all the time that each of you all have particular gifts for the church and your gifts may not match the gifts of your brothers or sisters. So if you're not, if you're not exceedingly well in something, it doesn't mean that you're not gifted. It simply means the Lord hasn't given you like giftedness in all things. Mm. And so we have to be okay. I have to be comfortable that I, with, with my own weaknesses. So one thing I tell students when, when I think they're struggling is, hey, listen, the Lord didn't make you perfect, right? He, you are the apple of his eye. You know, you are made in his image. He does love you dearly. But this to show our weaknesses show us how we need to be interconnected to other people. And I don't think we think about that enough. I don't think faculty think about that enough. You can come to my faculty meetings anytime you want to. And the faculty will tell you, they will tell you, I am okay saying I am weak in areas because I have men and women who serve alongside me that are like that they, they support me in, in ways that the Lord just has not gifted me. And I'd be a fool to think that I, I am who I am without their help and their support. Mm. And I think we need to model that as teachers, right? Whether you're teaching in a, in a local or public high school, and then we can also explain that to our students. Uh, the second thing that I think is ex- you know, really good for them is just like praise, like praise them in the area where they're good and not, not some false praise. Like students know whether they're five or 15 <laughs> when they've done well with something, right? So it's not like this, this like, oh yeah, good job. It's like, no, like you did really well. Like you can say in a, in a good way, your handwriting is superb, but you know, you spelled that wrong. Let me show you, the, let me, let me show you the correct way to spell that, you know, but your handwriting is good, but here's the way you spell it. Next time you write it, write it like this. Mm. And it can both be spelled correctly and, and neatly written. And so just finding a reason to praise people, I think has served me well in leadership, uh, served me well in my family and served me well in the classroom. And then I think always, and I'm just thinking about Jesus Christ, right? I'm just, just walking through Jesus Christ did that well, but he showed compassion to those folks that would lean into him and they needed compassion. And so I'm always trying to figure out like, how can I, Mm. with these young people in front of me, 
uh, that are still trying to make sense of their giftingness, still trying to figure out life, still still amplifying their weaknesses more than their strengths. Mm. How can I show them compassion and love them like a son or a daughter? And that that's what's going through my mind for our students. Uh, it's just more than the content. It's, it's compassion. Mm. One of those parts of management deals with that uh, a bit. And it's always when you have to have those hard conversations yeah. with students, even in higher ed. I mean, K-12, you've got, you know, there's all these different methods of that all these teachers have come up with of handling discipline, moving the pen down, mm-hmm. or like putting the name on the board when I was a kid. I used yeah. to have a teacher that would draw a, she was a sub, and she would draw a squiggly lined box on the chalkboard. Yeah, yeah. And she put bad box at the top. <laughs> and if you got your name in the bad box... You were in trouble because she left it up there for you when your actual yeah, teacher yeah. came back, when yeah. Miss Preston came back. Um, so how do you deal with those types of situations in higher ed? And yeah. I know you, you talk about, and I think um, you would agree with me, that part of teaching in higher ed, especially in a Christian school, is the relationship. Absolutely. You want to maintain that relationship. How do you deal with those hard conversations but still maintain the relationship with the student? Yeah, one question before I answer that. Uh, How many times is your name written on the board? You want to disclose it on this podcast? Uh, Well. Huh? Come on now. (laughs) Once. (laughs) For sure. Oh, you were in the bad box. (laughs) I was in the bad box once, and (laughs) I I will leave the reason why (laughs) off the air. All right, okay. Uh, (laughs) The naughty box. I'm going to start a podcast on why you ended up in the the naughty box, and we'll just carry it out like a a Netflix series. It'll be be 20 episodes. (laughs) Big documentary, 20-part documentary. You can binge that. that. It'll be called The Bad Box. The Bad Box. Instead of Breaking Bad. It's just uh, the, the bad, bad box. box, the bad box. <laughs> no, no, no. So, so how do we deal with, so I think like I, I want to talk about a we because in the School of Education, we actually have a dispositional questionnaire or a document that we use in order to address students' issues. And I didn't come up with this on my own, right? It's, again, it's a, a collective group of faculty that help think through uh, issues and concerns. And then e- e- even here at Cedarville University, we have systems to document uh, students' concerns, behavior, and academic concerns. And so we want to lean into those already set systems that we have. Uh, but in, you know, if I'm just thinking about a particular situation with the student, I, I'm, I, again, leading, leading into grace. Like, first, I want to know if the student knew what they did was wrong. Mm. You know, so, so you know, sometimes, I mean, as, as a teacher, sometimes you address something and a student's like, I didn't even know that. Yeah. You know, so and I'm an educator, so I'm always thinking, like, how do I close the gap of knowledge? And mm-hmm. so first I want to know, like, what was it out of ignorance or was it out of insolence? Right. Mm-hmm. And so if it's ignorance, I want to lean in and teach you here are the right things to do. You're like, don't do that. Don't say that. You know, so <laughs> these moments and we even have to do that with 20 year old students, mm-hmm. you know, 21 year old students. They just they just don't know. And so I'm always aiming to teach first a compassion and then reassess and reevaluate their, their maturity over whatever designated time that me and my colleagues come up with. It's never an individual decision. So whether I'm like disciplining one of my kids at home, my wife and I are are talking through that process. And if it's a student here at Cedarville, I'm talking with the associate deans and other faculty on like, hey, what do you all think is is a good uh, measuring in order to get this student back on track? That's really good. You're hired. Yeah. <laughs> Wait a minute. He already like works here. That's good. That's that's feel, tell feel, tell feel, Dr. Feel, White, make sure I get a recite yeah. of, my, of, my, of my contract. I feel like we're interviewing for jobs sometimes when yeah. we do this. When yeah, yeah, yeah. Some of our questions and such. But. Yeah, yeah. Your five-year contract is approved. It is, thank, thank you. So much. It, yeah. we'll send, send us a straight, Dr. Matt. Straight over the top. Please You're do. Right relatively there. quickly. So when you have those large classes, mm-hmm. um, and this is one that's always been a challenge, 
I think, especially in the higher ed space. Dr. Norm Vaughn mentioned this in our interview with him, that you need to know your students. Yeah. And I really get that sense from you. So here's the challenging question. How do you do that? Or how much is enough in a larger class? Let's say, I think, what, what's our cap right now per section here at Cedarville? Is it like 25? Something like that. Is it in the 20s? Well, well it have, depends on the... It just it depends upon the faculty member and oh, really? in some cases. And so, I mean, I think I have, I think I admitted 39 into my ed profession class. That's a lot. One of them this semester. But again, I, I want to... I want to help them matriculate through. Right. Mm. All right. So what is it? So my question on the, is like, what is it going to cost this student if I'm not flexible and letting them in the class mm. and they're a student athlete and then they can't take the class in the spring and then they're interconnected to all these other things. I'm right. Like, Come on in. So as you approach that and you think about, let's say 40 plus yeah. in a, in a class, what are some strategies you use in terms of, of creating that connection, creating that relationship and managing your classroom in that way? Yeah. So I think, I think setting healthy expectations at the very beginning of the semester, right? I'm planning and then delivery are the two things that are in my mind. So I'm planning to spend time with them. And so I tell my students at the beginning of the semester, the first seven to eight or nine or 10 minutes with you all will be a devotional because I want your heart set ablaze for the word of God. And I want you to know how to give a defense for the gospel every single time you're asked. And I want to show them how the scripture applies to all areas of the life. And then also tell them we're going to spend just a few minutes getting to know you. And so I, I tell them things about me, like to, that we're going to go in class, I'll go in class today and they'll say, what'd you do this weekend? And I'll tell them I had coffee at a little spot in, in Germantown and went to a bookstore with 37 or 40 different little books room. And I bought- Did you go to the book loft? Is that the- Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the thing German right Village. There. German, yeah. German Village. Oh, not Germantown. Yeah, yeah. Germantown's in Louisville, my bad. Yeah, yeah. yeah German Ger- Village. The German- yeah. Yeah. And, and I'll tell them that. And I'll tell them the experience that I had. And so, and then- like, you got lost. That's the experience you had. You're, you're exactly. I got lost and spent way too much money. Uh, now that's not funny. You know, my kids are. You know, you know I'm like they weren't able to eat last week. I'm telling you, not at all. You know, I never thought I'd reach the point where I tell my kids, "I'm tired of buying books for you all." You know, <laughs> <laughs> but with but with three kids and a wife who are all avid readers, I'm like, man, we you know, at some point we just have to have we have to stop. So, <laughs> so, so I think so. I think sharing those things, relational things with them, telling them about my highs and in my life and just being vulnerable with them as much as right mm-hmm. for this type of setting and then asking them to do the same. And so it goes from, hey, my sister got engaged this past weekend or my brother got engaged to, you know, my grandma's sick and she needs prayer or I flopped on my on my test and I, you know, I need some people to help me study that we, we I've created um, th- this space that is just a welcoming relational space. But then I, it, it, everything is timed in my class, you know, so I tell them mm-hmm. so that students don't think I'm being rude. And when the timer goes off, we're moving to content, right? So sometimes teachers, professors in, in the desire to be highly re- relational don't get to the content in class. And so mm-hmm. I tell them, we're not spending anything more than, you know, seven, eight, nine minutes. I'll start a timer. And when the timer goes off, we're done. And I quickly say, let's talk about the learning objectives for the day. So it, it's not like I cut someone off. And then after, you know, a few weeks of getting that uh, in, in a rhythm, they, they simply know what they can expect for the relational piece. So modeling that is what I'm getting at right now. It's just modeling high relation with them because when you get a relation, people, they, students want to, they want to serve you better. They, they, they want to work mm, hard. That's good. They, they want to work hard. I thought of Mr. L cause he teaches one of the early broadcasting courses mm-hmm. and we were talking about communication with him and how sometimes he has to have hard conversations 
with broadcasting majors to where they're just they don't have the skill set. Mm. Um, and since you've got that freshman course, how do you handle those situations? Because I'm sure it's happened before where you realize you're not you're not going to cut it. So how do you handle those situations? You know, it, it's tough in one sense, but we we just, we serve the students well. So I'm, I'm always checking students' hearts throughout the course of the semester. And I, and I kind of give them an out at the beginning of the semester, which is the truth. It's not like an out in, in, in a veiled you know, way. It's, it's the fact that, hey, some of you all aren't cut out to teach. Some of y'all will be in this class and will realize that you, you don't want to teach. Mm-hmm. And so I remind them of that throughout the course of the semester, not in a way that's discouraging. Sure. Because, man, what I would love for the Lord to call <laughs> all those students to go to hard places and in easy places, whatever kind of places to share his gospel uh, through, through teaching and learning. But I think I tell them, some of you all just aren't going to teach. Mm-hmm. But what we do here at Cedarville University, and then I begin to point to career services. Let's help get you where you want to be. Let, let me send you there so we can figure out exactly what the Lord is calling you, which goes back to my first point. It's everybody has a gift. Everybody's gift isn't going to be able to teach, right? But the Lord has something for you in the kingdom. Maybe it's not broadcasting. Maybe it's not education. Who knows what it is? But the Lord has something for you. And the way you can serve like people and humanity and the local church. Mm. And that's a really easy conversation when you point to how gifted they can be in other areas. It's only yeah. tough when you say, you don't cut it, goodbye. And you, <laughs> you, know, and you kind of just send them on their way. Yeah. But I Shut don't do door. that. No, 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 no. Yeah. I'm like, let, let, me, let, me, let me walk you over to an area where I know they can take care of you. And ask them questions like, okay, if you don't see yourself going to a classroom on Monday, like what do you see yourself doing? Mm. And it's like the Lord's called you to do something. So if you go to work on Monday, what are you doing? And just kind of working through them with that, you know, time and time again and, you know, and helping them find their way to where the Lord is calling them. Mm. Yeah, That's good. Thank you for coming on. Man, it's been good. Yeah, we appreciate it. Man, thank you for having me. That's Dr. Kevin Jones joining us, the Dean of the School of Education and Social Work. Now that's going to do it for us on the Transform Your Teaching Podcast. Make sure you like and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Uh, send us an email at ctlpodcast at cedarville.edu and check out our blog cedarville.edu forward slash focus blog. See you next time.